Hi, I'm Susan Clark. And I'm Chris Marie Campbell. Welcome to the Beauty of Conflict podcast. Have you ever wanted to take some of what you've learned on the podcast to the next level? Well, check out our new step-by-step, easy-to-use team kit to get your team from avoiding conflict to discovering the beauty in conflict. To learn more, go to www.thriving.com forward slash team kit. That's www.thriveinc.com forward slash T-E-A-M-K-I-T. Hi, I'm Chris Marie. And I'm Susan. And today I am interviewing Susan. She is such a reader of information and she's read, Susan, you've read this uh, newest book, The Four Pivots for Reimagining Justice and Reimagining Ourselves. It sounds like a beefy title there, but uh, it's by uh, Sean Ginwright, correct? I believe that's the correct pronunciation. Okay. So you've been talking to me about it. I find it fascinating. It fits in with our teamwork, our leadership work. So we're going to dive into it. But I thought I would give at least an overview of who this author is to our listeners. I think that was helpful for you when you pulled up his bio and started looking at it. I've heard a little bit about him because I heard him live on a show. So, right. But it was okay. great hearing your perspective. Yes. <laughs> so Sean Ginwright is a professor of African studies at, the, at San Francisco State University, and he's an author of this book, The Four Pivots. His research examines the ways in which youth in urban communities navigate through the constraints of poverty and struggle to create equality and justice in their schools. So I just, you know, he's really applying this to social justice and poverty and And educational systems. Yes. Yes. Say more. Well, I mean, that's been his passion. And actually, in some respects, as he would put it initially, his lens. (laughs) And we'll you'll hear more about that in a little bit and how he really needed to shift and make some pivots to do the works that he wanted to do with the group of people he was working with, these people that did not fit into the normative situations where often people in academia or in education are looking. And he was like, these programs aren't working this way. So he wanted to find ways to be more effective at the work he was doing with the group of people he was working with. So here he is, he's an academic and he's working in education. And with this group at risk. And and what you're saying is, as he was approaching it with his academic lens, it wasn't working. So he had to come up with a different form. Right. And, you know, we have been addressing a lot of different issues around social justice and various things that aren't working. And he, you know, what he learned in this also applies to much of that. And when I was listening to him, I was also listening through my own lens, which is working with organizational and teams, trying to help them appreciate the importance of diversity and inclusion, but also seeing how these same pivots apply, not just because they might be good, for people, which is always a good reason. <laughs> but we know in business, that's not always the reason that business <laughs> leaders will get that attention to it. But it also is really helped teams become more successful. People have more fulfilling relationships. There's all sorts of aspects to it. So Okay. Yeah. And that's what we've been talking about is, oh my gosh, we can uh, share this with our clients and our teamwork and our leadership development because it's so powerful. And some of the what he calls these four pivots are things we've talked about in a lot of different ways. But you know, bringing them together was kind of neat. And the way he spoke about how they weave together more like a rope than one in one after the other, a hierarchical, always like that when it's kind of a weave, not a top top down. So that they all kind of interconnect and support each other. There's not, I think what you're saying, it's not one and then the other. It's That's how he described it. 
when he was talking. And I liked it because it reminded me even of our, when we talk about the power and strength, the continuum movement along that. And I think all of that will apply as we talk about it. Yes. And for those of you that haven't listened, we, uh, there's a power and strength podcast where we talk about, you know, we all kind of show, want to have power and look good and be in our role. Be in control. Be in control. That's really the the bottom line there. And on the other end, it's very powerful. We often get stuck in that role side. On the other end of the continuum is more the strength, personal, vulnerable aspect. Transformational. Those are all words that probably fit on the other side, but there's a, And it's really not about going over there and staying there all the time. It's about the ability to recognize what you are up to and be aware and joyful in that movement to be successful and connect and have an impact on the world around you. I do think people, the reason people want to go over to that other side is because they spent so much time on the power control role versus, and there's more of that, but. Spoken like a true. (laughs) Me. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So let's jump into the four pivots because I think our listeners will really We want you to be listening from your point of view of how you look at the work that you do and how you show up. So Susan, talk about the first pivot. Well, the first pivot has to do with shifting from lens to mirror. And like I said, let's define those two terms. (laughs) The lens through which you work, like we were describing Sean's work, Sean the author. Ginwright. Yeah. I want to make sure I say Ginwright, right? I'm hoping so. (laughs) Anyway, um, hit. The lens that he was in initially or looking through was through this academic lens or maybe even through a developmental lens, you know, and I know our lens sometimes is through the lens of a team or a couple or my own history. Lenses are kind of like what we talk about it sometimes is even our personal filter would be a version of the lens in which we're always viewing the world, which is vital to understand your lens that's helpful to know what as much as you can about your lens. Well, I think that's even some of our uh, first point with leaders is helping them build awareness of their lens because they tend to assume, well, everybody is looking at the world the same way I do. Yes. So that's a first step. It is an important step. Mm -hmm. But, and the pivot is to also pay even more attention to the mirror because the mirror is where you get feedback and where you you want to create a mirror that's going to give you honest, clean, direct feedback. Oh my gosh, that's so much (laughs) what we teach in our teams and our leadership development is developing relationships where you can get honest feedback because the higher you go in an organization, the less people are going to actually tell you the truth about your behavior. So you can be the emperor without any clothes on. And so often, because we want to look good, do the right thing, whatever else, we're not really looking for the mirror. (laughs) Don't really (laughs) tell me that I'm not doing a good job. (laughs) You know, it's like, and so we, you know, we often kind of snark or beat up on the person who delivers the message that we're kind of not looking too good, being incongruent or mean or whatever that is. Versus being willing to really step back and go, even if I'm uncomfortable, I really want this feedback. And so feedback, that mirror work is so vital and important to success in business, relationships, just so many ways, community. Yeah, it's true in couples and in teams. And I think there's, you know, sometimes people, we do feedback exercises and you can tell when teams are picking like the safe thing to give feedback on. I'll take a low risk piece and I'll give feedback, but, but you know, at least they're building the skill of feedback. That's great. But like <laughs> developing it so that actually 
I feel more comfortable giving you feedback on an ongoing basis about what you did well and where I thought you might have hindered the situation. And sometimes it's even checking in around asking for feedback and asking for feedback about how you give feedback. Like there's so many aspects to this. It's sort of a, hmm, it's like unraveling an onion when you start to look at it, because it's like how I give you feedback is, is a reflection where I could also get mirroring, you know, just like receiving that feedback. How do I receive it? It's so important. And sometimes I can't see it until I get the mirror. Right. Somebody tells me, you know, so true. you've told me many times, it's not easy to give you feedback. <laughs> and my usual response, that's not true, <laughs> you know, which could explain a lot about, you know. Or when I've, give, I've given you feedback and I assume, well, I know this is right, Susan, you are wrong. And they how- are righteous in your feedback. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, we're saying this because everybody has room to grow in your mirroring of how you're giving feedback. But this pivot, I really want to anchor for our listeners is building awareness, one of your lens, but being able to pivot from your lens to the mirror. So really asking for and being getting better at receiving feedback, soliciting and receiving feedback. And it really anchors into the next one, which actually has to do with shifting from transactional to transformative relationships. Because here's the deal. You're not going to get really good mirroring if you have only transactional relationships. Well, let's just talk about transactional because we've talked about this on couples podcast and teams. Like if you're going through and fighting fires, always talking about, well, what what do we need to do next? We need to plan the Christmas party, the employee bonus, and oh, you know, where are we going to send the kids to college? (laughs) You know, all these whatever. I'm shifting context is there from a team to a couple. But if you're just kind of always fighting fires, that's more transactional. And yes, and also even we talk about this in the area of vulnerability-based trust versus predictive trust. Predictive trust is kind of the transactional thing. I know what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. And I could probably give you feedback about whether you're going to have a cup of coffee in the morning or not, or whether you should do this. Or If I always come in with a PowerPoint deck yeah. or I like Excel spreadsheets, because you're just watching me. Yeah. And vulnerability-based trust is built on the idea that it's more about Oh, I will share more about me. Like, oh, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. And that builds a more a transformative relationship. That vulnerability piece brings that in. And when we talk about the importance of accountability, you know, you could be accountable. We often say to leaders, most people, most leaders are going to tell you when you didn't deliver something on time. or when, But the real key is to be able to give feedback on unproductive behaviors. That's the difference between transactional feedback you know, did the transaction happen on time? The deliverable. Or transformational. Let me tell you something. The way you did get it to me, but the way you spoke to me, I actually found to be insulting or you were punitive or right, you know, yeah, pedantic or whatever the word is. Yeah, we, we hesitate to give be, uh, feedback on behaviors that interrupting, attitude, tone of voice, body language, things that seem, well, too personal. And really they're uncomfortable is why we stay away from that. But when a team or any relationship, you can start to give that deeper feedback, that mirroring, that transformational uh, mirroring, it really is powerful for both parties involved. Oh, yeah. You know, and so important to, you know, continuing to build in a way that is going to support real change and transformation. Yeah. It's critical. So the first pivot is from lens to mirror. And that's really about what are you paying attention to? Where is your awareness? Second pivot is from transactional to transformational. 
And that is really about the quality of connection. And didn't he have a good example in, uh, wasn't it a Zappos example about? That was a different book, but I'd love to share that okay, because I do think. It was an example of it though, right? Uh, it, not in that book, but in different. I'm trying to think, was that, I think, are you talking about the. the 10 hour call. Okay. Well, that is uh, maybe a little different, but it's a great story. So let's just go there. Um, so often in sales, sales people get measured by the number of cold calls. So that's the transaction is yeah. a cold call. And you can measure it. How many times somebody picked the phone up and made a call. And in Zappos, he was like, well, this kind of goes counter to our culture of wanting real connections. So he came up with this. This like, is the CEO. The CEO. Long time ago. Yeah. Not, yeah. Anyway, his idea was emotional, personal connection or, is it, or personal, emotional. I'm dyslexic. But the P and the E, personal, emotional connection, those words uh, was what he measured. And of course, you can't really measure. Yeah. That's hard to measure. How do you? So, but, and there's also this idea that whatever you're measuring, you need to be able to reward. So really what happened was they had so someone- you have, you have to take a transformational experience and, and find a transaction to measure. Well, to some degree, you yeah, because that's what we're always looking for. But what he, or to at least celebrate, even yeah. if you don't measure it, <laughs> okay. celebrate it. So he, there, there was, I guess, a call. Well, there was a call, 10 hours- it lasted 10 hours, eight minutes and 42 seconds. And when that, when that got announced around the company, not only did they celebrate the call, but they sent out a news thing about this person's willingness to stay on the phone for 10 hours and eight minutes and celebrated that this is a sign that this is really what matters to us. Gosh, don't you wonder what the person was talking about for that, to that client well, customer for 10 hours? Well, when you think of some, when you think yeah. of some interactions you've had around this true you know, buying and selling. Maybe there's, <laughs> I'm, I think it's a pretty strong commitment. And I imagine- <laughs> they, uh, they must have got into some personal content there. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea being that was, that's, that's to the extreme, but why we wanted to share that example, because it, it shows the transformational relationship aspect of that yes, connection. I mean, yeah, because if, if you really want to look at transformational relationships, they're much harder to measure. So you have to come, maybe have to look at it through a little different lens and get different kind of feedback about it. You know, it's interesting, Susan, when we're working with teams and we go to an offsite, a lot of times the teams are dropping in and the dynamics that are already there, but covered up by the transaction start to rise to the surface. And sometimes, you know, people have some unfinished business that bubbles up and it can feel uncomfortable and messy. It takes more time. But once that's kind of unraveled, you really start to feel the shift in the relationships in the room. But it takes that. It, so it's not always like in a neat little box. But rarely does it take 10 hours and eight minutes. <laughs> you know, in reality, sometimes, you know, we found just even giving an awareness and attention to something for a short amount of time, like 20 really minutes, letting people drop in and share what's behind it. Amazingly enough, that starts the movement to, towards a cha change. Yeah. And then they know they can talk about it and they can repair it. Doesn't have to all happen at once. Like I have a motto, touch trauma and come back, which means you don't have to dive deeply into the trauma for hours. You can go to it, have a conversation about what really happened, come back. And once you've learned how to make that that movement with somebody, mm -hmm. you can actually rebuild trust and rebuild the relationship. And that becomes transformative. It's true. It, it often takes like 20 minutes and it's not done, but people can't, that's enough for now. And we move on and yeah. then we come back and move I mean, on. So often when we're, 
I do think of this, you know, we were even having a conversation with a, a leader today about this, you know, thinking of inviting us up for a two day offsite. And there's this desire, you know, to have this deep, like, what, what, what would you do in two days? You could tell they were a little worried. Like these people, <laughs> we have to run a business. How We can't change everything. And it's like, we know you're actually, you're not in preseason. You're actually in, you're running your business. And so you can't change everything, but we want to give you some ways to make some shifts and changes so you know how to do that. Actually, Susan, I thought you did a more brilliant job than how you're describing it now. Because you said, well, we know, like, let's say you're an ice hockey team. You're still playing the, the game. You're in between quarters. You got to go right back on the ice. And so doing, we do these short little hops, like figuring out their values. He's like, oh my gosh, would that take a whole day? And we said, well, no, maybe 90 minutes. We go through an experience and then you marinate on them. You go out and play on the ice with them. Then you come back the next time we see you. And so it was these short little... Yeah. You know, dives in. It's the same idea. Touch it, come back. You don't have to repair the entire building all at once. And you don't have to go to, I, I think what we said is you don't need certainty. You just need clarity. Yes. And then iterate, iterate on that. Yes. Okay. So uh, pivot one from lens to mirror, pivot two from transactional to transformational. Now pivot three. Oh, this one I really enjoy. Because okay. from and from problem fixing to possibility creating. Ooh, say more. Well, you know, so often we are trying, we are focused on solving a problem. And in that time to fix a problem, sometimes it just becomes about not having the pain anymore or not having this anymore. And as opposed to, wait a minute, it's one thing to get rid of pain or to get rid of a problem, but really, what do you want to create? And when people get, and this was in his work, was so critical with these young adults in these different situations. Because, of course, they're just trying to fight to get out of property. And he's like, no, we got to make spaces where they could begin to dream again because they've lost that dreaming. And that dreaming is critical. And so when we get into our problem fixing thing, we lose the dreaming, mm -hmm. you know, and I just think that's so important. Like I can even tell when you're talking about it. I, well, one, I think of a client we've got to give this book to. It's that's <laughs> really powerful uh, who deals with that population. And then um, I was thinking about how it feels different. Like I've got to get rid of this. I've got to fix it. Feels very kind of stress-based negative versus, well, wait a minute. Okay. We're, we have this. What could we create? And, you know, this comes up when we're dealing with conflict. People's, you know, conflict starts to happen and people go, uh-oh, this is a problem. We shouldn't be having conflict. And we're like, we're human beings in the room. You're going to have conflict. We're different people. What if you saw this as a possibility? Mm -hmm. And that has that same sort of like, oh, you mean this is natural? It comes up over and over in our relationship and teams like, wait a minute, this is actually a healthy sign. Here we have two different points of view. Can we hang in and... Every, anytime we do, something new is created mm -hmm. that gets out of your position and my position or the teams, if it's a team, and they create something that is so transformational, so innovative. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And so, I mean, that I, sometimes that is such an important shift. You know, I mean, that just takes me right even back to my days with cancer. It's like, you know, it's not about getting rid of the cancer. Mm -hmm. It really, really, when everything shifted for me, it was when I was kind of invited to think of how do you want to live? Not, don't worry about getting rid of cancer. That's kind of that's a, that's a boring, you know, that's just a problem to solve. You know? Well, it's kind of like yeah. a, when you're focused on problem solving and you can't, you folks can't see my hands, but it's like a push pull, my mm -hmm. fists are together. Like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to get rid of it. And whatever you're trying to get rid of is going to kind of on the equilibrium scale, push back and versus, Hey, let's think about this in, yeah. you know, getting out of the power struggle and thinking about what is it that we want to create? Or like, yeah, like that. Yeah. 
it's like instead of thinking about getting rid of cancer, which think about how do you want to live? Yeah. And that even in the moment dealing with cancer becomes a whole different thing. It does. You know, and it actually creates a transformational relationship with my tumors instead of a transactional one. It, it goes did. all the way back to the it's beginning. Because you're not just yeah. trying to blast them with yeah. chemo. That's it's a like, transaction versus you I created mean, a different environment yeah. for the cancer to transform. I hadn't even thought of it from this this lens. That is powerful to the beginning. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's really looking at so this pivot is really about shifting from your vision, from problem fixing to possibility creating. That's the third pivot. The second pivot is transactional to transformational. The first pivot is from lens to mirror. So let's talk about the final one, Susan. Again, I really like this one as well. It's from hustle to flow. And the idea being that most of us can get all caught up in, you know, that saying, slay the day, do everything, you know, conquer your to-do list. And be it's efficient. Like, be efficient, be busy, you know. <laughs> and a lot of times we're really doing a lot of stuff that's maybe not really what we should be doing. And we're we're hustling, but it's, <laughs> we are definitely not in the flow. And it's, <laughs> it's so true. I mean, I, I was uh, one client of mine, she actually is starting to recognize, you know, when I keep myself busy, that's just my discomfort. Like my brain is doing a lot of things in the background. I don't need to stay so busy. And then when I sit down, I have all this flow, but we have been, it's almost like in our society there, it's a badge of honor. Look how busy I am. Oh, how are you? Well, I'm so busy. Like that's my worth is how busy I am. Yeah. But that's just brain stress chemistry creating cortisol, adrenaline, norepinephrine, not really actually healthy. I know. And, you know, I mean, what's kind of cool about even talking about the four pivots today in this book is that they do really mirror the very things we talked about in your talk, where you talked about at your rowing. You applied it in the very same way. So if you want to reinforce this, go back and listen to that. Because What was that podcast? It was last week's podcast. I think it was last week's podcast, Creating Resilience. Because really, that's that's what he's talking about for these kids in the population he's working with is creating resilience and creating these new windows for more that's possible. And the old, more academic lens around it doesn't work Mm -hmm. to get you there. But this does. And uh, same way you were talking about with those rowers, mm-hmm. you know, so um, really and, vital. Re- and the real, so shifting from hustle to flow from my point of view, and this um, is really shifting your brain chemistry and recognizing, wait a minute, nobody's measuring my success. Maybe somebody is, but my success is from the inside out. And so I can settle down and think about and just check in and see what actually feels good to do. What's the right, like listening to your gut, your intuition, your heart, whatever you relate to on the inside, because that will tap you back into the flow. And, you know, I was really kind of touched when I was listening to him talk about this piece because he was talking about how people in, especially in jobs or in, in career callings that where they're working with really populations that don't have, you know, maybe don't have the resources and they're trying to provide them. So often those people get so exhausted. Burnt out. Burnt out. And, you know, you even identified the number of people who had died because of that burnout. And I think about that. I think of people in caregiving roles. So many of the ones I know have died. And a lot of the times it's because they haven't actually taken care of themselves in that caregiving role. And a big part of that is is really the shift from hustle to flow. Because when you're doing something and you don't take care of yourself and you just keep doing, 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 you're probably not, you 
probably aren't helping who you think you're helping and you definitely aren't keeping yourself alive. Right. So it really becomes important to step back, you know, and, and that's, I think what you were even addressing when you talked about making that shift for yourself. If, I talked you about know. interrupting stress with joy breaks and it really takes, I continue to work with my own brain on this because adrenaline is so addictive and staying in that do, do, do the hustle keeps feeding your brain adrenaline, but that doesn't actually allow the rest and digest, which allows a whole different, it really allows the, the, even, so this is the weave of the rope. It really allows that shift from problem fixing to possibility creating. So it it works back on that. It even even slows me down enough to have a transformational conversation versus a transaction. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Kind of really do. together. It's a really excellent uh, way of looking at you know, social change and ch- different, as well as looking at teaming, looking at relationships, all sorts of, it's a powerful model and a powerful book. So the four pivots from lens to mirror, where's your awareness? From transactional to transformational relationships, where's that type of connection? From problem fixing to possibility creating, where's your vision? What are you focused on? And from hustle to flow, what sort of presence do you have? Are you ahead of yourself or are you dropped in and grounded and embodied? So I know you were very inspired by the book. And I think this is a great, great tools for our, our leadership clients, our team clients, and just even anyone in general. I think so too. And I'm so glad you gave me a chance to give you a taster for my next book because I'm <laughs> on to another one. So, but you'll hear more about that later. In our next podcast. Okay. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Susan here. As a coach, a lot of my time is spent helping clients speak up in a direct and honest way in their relationships at home and at work. Chris Marie and I decided to create a speak up kit to help you do that for yourself. It's the best of our best work that we've gathered to help you. To learn more, go to thriveinc.com forward slash speak up. That's www.thriveinc. Dot com forward slash S P E A K U P.